My name is Keith Beers, and I just found out that the fillings of a Kit Kat bar actually damage Kit Kats. How many? How many do you have to damage? To is it a protocol? What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Parrot Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the Tastings Director of Vine Pear. Okay, today we're going to talk about a kind of a confusing term that says one thing, kind of means that, but not is, is not really what that is, but kind of is a little bit. It's confusing, right? It's called malolactic fermentation. Let's get into it. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Claude Dubois. Today we're talking about malolactic fermentation. If you want to taste a great example of this, get the Clos Dubois Chardonnay. It's soft and creamy with a depth that exemplifies the process in spades. It's a classic American Chardonnay that continues to stand the test of time. You ever been to a wine event or a wine dinner or you're just you're you're drinking wine with people and someone says are you guys getting mallow on this? I'm getting some mallow. Yeah, yeah, that buttery note. Oh, man, this mallow. What? What's mallow? M-A-L-O. Well, it's a nickname for a, a I want to say confusing, yeah, I'm going to say it, confusing term that is used in the wine world to describe not a fermentation, but a conversion. But it can be considered a fermentation, kind of, but not really. It's called malolactic fermentation or malolactic conversion. It's, a, it's, it's confusing. So let's break this down. The thing is, and I know you've probably heard, I mean, I don't know where you are on your, on your journey, but I'm sure you've heard this mallow thing. It's, the nickname of it is mallow. There are two principal acids in, well, fruit, but berries, but wine grapes. And that is... Tartaric acid, which needs its own episode, and malic acid. Now, malic acid is a pretty important acid in just the environment. The word malic comes from the Latin word malum, which means apple, which is the, the fruit this acid was first detected by scientists. It has since come to be known that this particular acid is extremely important and goes through all these different complicated cycles of reactions that plants and animals use to obtain energy that's necessary for life. That is some very intense stuff, and we're not going to get into all that. I can barely keep my mind together when I'm reading about that kind of stuff anyway. But what's important about that is one of these cycles or reactions comes into play during the ripening of fruit in grapes. The French word verizon comes to mind. A grape will produce a lot of malic acid up until around the verizon time. And then it begins to complete, well, not rapidly, but steadily and sometimes rapidly depending on the climate and a lot of factors to decompose. Therefore, the malic acid, it rises up and then it lowers a little bit. For example, during the right before the ripening period, there's about 20 grams per liter of malic acid. And by the time the ripening is finished, there's about one to nine grams per liter. So it kind of gives you an idea of that. Now, the tartaric acid, which we're not going to get into in this episode, does not decompose. It just stays there. 
So malic acid is considered a kind of a harsh, sharp acid. And depending on the variety and the environment and the climate and the soils and all these different factors, the variety itself, did I say that? Is this amount of malic acid depends the, the amount of malic acid that ends up in the must that will become wine depends on that. But if a winemaker believes the malic acid in the wine will eventually lead to a harsh, high acid, austere kind of result, what they will do is either hope for through natural um, occurrences or induce or inoculate something called a malolactic conversion, malolactic, mallow meaning malic acid and lactic meaning, meaning lactic acid. Now what is lactic acid? Well, it's one of the more mild acids in wine. It's named after the Latin word lactus, which means milk kind of gives you an idea there. And there are many different kinds of lactic acid bacteria, but there are three that are particular to the wine world with have very sciencey names. One is called lactobacillus, one is called pediococcus, but the one that's the most popular that does the most work for us and actually has a name that sounds like wine is Oenacus Oeni. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but all the O's and the E's has very similar connotations to enology, which is sometimes spelled with an O-E. Now look, I'm trying to pronounce these words, but they're very long and they're very hard, so I hope I got those right. The first two I mentioned are actually prominent in yogurt, sauerkraut, and if you're trying to pickle cucumbers, you want to pickle that? Those are the bacteria that'll help make that happen. Okay. And lactic acid is when lactic acid bacteria interacts with either residual sugar on a very small level or malic acid. So when lactic acid bacteria interacts with malic acid, it converts it to lactic acid, malolactic conversion. So what exactly does this do? It does a few things. It decreases the wine acidity, which we'll talk about in a second. It stabilizes the wine a little bit more. It also adds sensory changes to the wine, which we'll get into. And malolactic conversion is called malolactic fermentation because as it's doing the conversion, it does produce very small amounts of CO2. So that's why they give it the whole fermentation or secondary fermentation vibe, although it's really just a conversion from acid to acid. This conversion does happen naturally. If the temperature of the must is above 68 degrees Fahrenheit in a weak acid environment, which it usually is, that will begin the lacto or the malolactic conversion. The thing is, that's it's happened for a long time, but nowadays you can actually buy what they call it LAB, lactic acid bacteria, and you can what's called co-inoculate or premature inoculate the must so that it will encourage this process to happen. That is done nowadays because if a wine has too much acid in it, if you're in a cool climate, or even if you're in a warm climate but had a cool season, and you want those harsh acids to like step off for a minute, you will inoculate to make sure this happens. Now, you can partially 
mallow convert or you can fully mallow convert. There's a lot of ways to control that, but the end game is to bring balance to your wine. You don't want it too harsh. So that is what it does. It brings the wine acidity down. Now, when this happens, it does create a compound called diacetyl. Diacetyl is that buttery note that you smell in wine. And there are a variety, well, Chardonnay is the most popular because it's it really takes on the mallow well. That's why whenever you smell buttery notes in Chardonnay, you're smelling the result of malolactic conversion places like, but then you have like wines like Riesling. Well, that's a high acid gray. Why wouldn't they want to do, why would they just let that happen there and soften that wine? Well, the, the nature of that wine, the angularity of that wine, the austerity of Riesling is what gives it this complexity and character. Therefore they will try to block the malolactic conversion. Now what blocks malolactic conversion? There's one thing that lactic acid bacteria cannot tolerate and that is even in moderate amounts, is SO2. So if you add SO2, sulfur dioxide, to the, the wine must, to your wine, you are going to block, as much as nature will allow, you will block malolactic conversion. And this happens for red wines and for white wines. In white wines, it's so much more observable because of the lack of phenolic compounds that come with the production of white wine. Whereas in red wine, you, you, can, you can just note it, note it, it's noticed as sort of a softness to the wine. The thing about this conversion is it doesn't, it doesn't always have to happen around the fermentation part of the winemaking process. It can also happen after the fermentation. It can happen in stainless steel tanks, but it can also happen in barrel. And what's interesting about that is if the barrel has, because the lactic acid bacteria gets into wood and does not, it does not get out. So if you have lactic acid bacteria from a previous vintage in your barrel wood, it will naturally encourage it to happen again the next year. The only thing is you also have to make sure there's no spoilage yeast or anything like that in there that'll make it even you know, they'll take the off flavors and just kind of ruin the entire process. And because of that softening, um, there's a debate about all this with barrel. It's some people believe that this actually helps encourage Oak to integrate into the wine, but there's a lot of enologists out there that dispute this and say, that's not necessarily the case. And that's just an excuse to have the wine taste softer sooner meaning a young wine hasn't reduced enough and it still has a lot of juiciness to it and the malolactic conversion softens it even more on premiere, just saying. And on the completely negative side of the spectrum, if mallow conversion gets out of hand, then you've just gone too far. The acidity is very low. The diacetyl is really high and the wine's completely unbalanced on that way. Isn't that, wine is so, it's like there's a happy medium and you gotta find it. It's just amazing. It's science is just, well, if you do this, it's gonna go too far and you can't go back. There's no way of correcting it. Actually, there is, <laughs> called acidifying. If, if, if mallow's gone too far, you can actually acidify your wine to bring it back, but now we're going into a whole different world of, you know, additions. But one thing I find very interesting 
about this whole malolactic conversion, this lactic, lactic acid bacteria converting malic acid into lactic acid, is it also produces among other a, a list of things, but one thing it does one thing it does produce is histamines. And histamines are the things that make you tired. Things that in combination with residual sugar and alcohol give you headaches the next day. This is one of those things when people think they're allergic to sulfites and they're actually not, what they probably are experiencing is the histamines created by the malolactic conversion in combination with alcohol and residual sugar. Just thought I'd put that out there. So when the fermenting wine is warm, 68 Fahrenheit and above, the alcohol content is low, and the SO2, if any has been added, because you can add SO2, but after the SO2 has done its work, so when the wine is warm at 68 degrees or so, the alcohol is low, and all the SO2 that has been added, because people do add SO2 all the time, and it volatile, volatile, jeez, it volatilizes before the fermentation process begins. This is an environment that encourages malolactic fermentation. And malolactic fermentation is actually called malolactic conversion because it is the conversion of lactic acid to malic acid to soften a wine in different proportions, depending on what a winemaker wants to do with the wine. If they want to partially convert, if they want to fully convert, or add more SO2 if you want to stop it. And that, wine lovers, is malolactic fermentation or malolactic conversion. You're going to hear both. But what everyone's going to really say, especially in circles of just chilling with wine, it's going to be mallow. What takes me back to that original thing I said, and you might be the person to next do this saying, you guys getting some mallow on this? You get that buttery note? Yeah, it's mallow. Okay. Sounds great. I'll see you guys next week. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. Ian J. Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.